Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 164 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Marico. Hi, Jacob. Hey, Michelle. How's I'm, it going? How are you feeling this week? Good. Sorry about last week. Obviously, we did not have an episode because I got sick, and of course... In the 21st century, you can't just get sick anymore. Nope. You have to think that it's COVID, even though you're vaccinated. You got, so, you got to go and get 50 million tests done and well, I just, consult a shaman. I just got one, but um, I do not have COVID. I just had I had some sniffles, some sore throat, some coughing, sinuses. I think it's one of those like end of summer colds. It was just fascinating because I haven't gotten sick in, in so long because we're always wearing masks and using hand sanitizer that I was like... What is happening to my body? Yeah, I had the uh, little case of the sniffles too, and I was like, "This sucks, man. I don't know what this is all about." Yeah, don't do not do not remember that that time in history. Anyway, Jacob, how have you been? I have been awesome. Thank you for asking. Oh, I good. may or may not have two rib fractures in my chest above my heart, but hey. Uh- yeah, nothing, nothing. I'm, I'm sorry, out of what? <laughs> what was that? Yeah, yeah. You know, hockey related injuries. It kind of reminds me why I don't really play too much anymore. And you this fractured is kinda... your ribs. Possibly, yes. Possibly? Possibly. So well, a doctor didn't tell you. You well, just feel agony. No, they told me that it's like it's probably what happened. <laughs> they're just like, you you'll be all right. Like they're like, you, you don't have to cast it obviously because they don't cast chests. So they're like Although oh. that would be amazing if you were wearing a full waist up cast right now. It would have made my day better. Thanks know, for not thinking of me. I know, right? I look like that dog in something about Mary, just like <laughs> near the end all casted up walking around. It would have been pretty awesome. Oh so So they're just like, Yeah, just make sure not to like, you know, get hit in the chest or cough too loud like oh, oh don't I, don't I, tease me i can't do i know right oh i know it's gonna i just want to slap you so hard right I, now i've been ducking my brother all week because i'm like i do not need this guy to bring back open chest and make me like pass out oh that's funny i mean it's not i hope you're okay no, but it, it is it is kind of funny i would laugh once i awoke from my coma there are <laughs> a lot of sad things i feel happening another one is uh norm mcdonald died oh i know right like, my my comedy uh, icon. There. I feel like he absolutely would be probably best known for his work on Saturday Night Live. But honestly, he should really be known and remembered for decades of club sets mm-hmm. and a lot of like really can't miss clips. And, and if you're looking for somebody that could just make jokes that aren't even funny, f- hilarious, <laughs> this was this was your guy. Yeah, that's that's the dude. So he died uh, last Tuesday of cancer. Um, Only 61. I thought he was older than that. I really did. Because he's been sick for like a a decade, I think, Mm -hmm. that he's been suffering um, with this disease. So, yeah, he looked older and not well when when we saw him. And his comedy kind of had the bent of an older guy. Well, he was so, like, modest about his work. Like, he was always saying, like, it had no substance. It was all gossip and trickery. But that worked. (laughs) He's not wrong, too, by the way. Yeah, so Norm, Norm will be missed. And then another big event that happened that we've never discussed on this show, so we might as well, is the Met Gala. Dun, dun. Me and Michelle were invited this year, but we were like, you know what? We are too big for it. I so had the, we had the show. sniffles, so we didn't want to. So the Met Gala is kind of the fashion world equivalent of the Oscars for people who don't follow um, really unnecessary things in life. <laughs> yeah. um, it's often referred to as fashion's biggest night out. And it's a, a night when designers and models and Hollywood stars all kind of convene in the year's most over-the-top looks. 
to celebrate and they fundraise for a new exhibit. 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 <laughs> my new favorite <laughs> word. A new exhibit from the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute. So this happened on September 13th at the Met. Um, typically, everyone dresses to a theme. Mm-hmm. according to the feel of the exhibit. So like in the past, they've done camp and religion and punk and all of these. Um, and this year it was like, it was, well, I'll, I'll get into that. So the, the Costume Institute is going to host the first of a two-part exhibition. So that's what this whole thing is for, is to okay. raise money for this. And it's on the theme of American fashion during, this will happen in 2021 and 2022. So part one is In America. A lexicon of fashion. So that's like what they were dressing for. It was all American designers. Um, This will open in the Anna Winter Costume Center on September 18th of 2021. So if you wanted to go. American fashion. That explains why a lot of looks were terrible. (laughs) What a joke. And then on May 5th, 2022, we get the second part, which is in America, an anthology of fashion. Um, yeah, they'll run until September 5th of 2022 in case this interests you and you want to head out to New York City and pop in to the Met. Um, hey, go check it out, guys. I think it's a great museum to begin with. So I mean, I mean it's overwhelming. It's yeah. so big. Make make a plan. That's your day if you're going to that place. Just head in there, check out everything. It's gonna it's gonna. I interviewed a for a job there. Oh, did you? Yeah, they flew me there. It was very exciting, and then it was mostly just really stressful. It was a really long day. Um, it was very involved. And then at the end of like a seven hour interview where I was presenting just what a day, they told me what it paid. And I was like, if you had just told me that on the phone, I wouldn't have come here. <laughs> like, yes, yes. We would like you to work 70 hours a week and we're going to give you the robust New York price of $17,000. I mean, it was just not enough for Manhattan. But anyway, so today with, you know, the Met in our minds, we're going to talk about kind of some of the unorthodox stories and some flamboyant tales about the world of fashion because movies love that. They love it, man. There is fashion up and down the movie, TV, and book space. Yeah, I think it kind of sneaks into all kind of things. But yeah, let's get into that. So the first one I think um, is probably the most popular um, of the fashion films would be 2006's The Devil Wears Prada. Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good choice. I for think most everyone just kind of, I mean, everybody just kind of likes it. You like it? Oh, I love that movie. Right? It's impossible not to. So when Andrea, who's played by Anne Hathaway, she's a young journalist and she finds herself in an assistant job to Miranda Miranda Priestley, who's played so perfectly by Meryl Streep, um, who is the editor-in-chief of Runway Magazine. And she experiences this, like, culture shock because Andrea doesn't care much about her appearance. And she kind of has, like, a certain contempt for the superficialities of the fashion world, which Miranda Priestley is quick to pick up on and subsequently criticize, and oh, you yeah. do not want to get criticized by Miranda Priestly. So it, it actually is really funny. It's great. Um, it has five-star acting. It's an adaptation of a book from 2003, if you're interested in that. But really, just like two words to sell you on it is Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. She is so good. She delivers such a powerful performance, um, which is a fictionalized version of the real Vogue editor, Anna Winter. 
Who speaking of the Met? Like, exactly, she's got her herself. she's got her own wing there. And then so on top of that, though, the reason we bring it up is the fashion is amazing. You see some really amazing outfits. Again, even if that's not your thing, I think you can still be blown away when you're like, well, these clothes are being treated as a sort of art form. Absolutely, and like. My my favorite performance in that movie is actually Stanley Tucci because I feel like he oh, is just Oh, Stanley fan- Tucci is adorable. He is fantastic in that movie. Got an Oscar nomination for it. Just- also, it's when he met Emily Blunt and then she introduced him to her sister and then he married her sister. Is that right? Yes. And oh. it's adorable. That's pre- that is pretty cute. Yes. Oh, I know. Emily Blunt and the Tucci hanging out with Krasinski at the table. That's got to be a fun little Thanksgiving dinner. Man. Sounds wonderful. And him making his drinks and being all like the sexy Stanley Tucci he is now that the internet's in love with him. You, you're speaking about somebody who made the horseshoe baldness actually work. You talk about the Tooch, man. That's yeah. not an easy one. <laughs> He's awesome. Can't believe how long that guy's been around, too. I was seeing movies from like the er, like Monkey Shines from the early 80s, and he's in there. A, a definite talent. He'll be getting one of those Cecil B. DeMille's at the end of his life when he's like in his 80s. Oh, absolutely. Like, we're going to give Stanley Tucci a We never gave him a Oscar. ton of stuff. So, okay, what do you have? All right, so the next one is a new one. Um, you suggested a, brought up a movie idea of <laughs> something to watch fashion-wise. I did. Uh, 2017's Phantom Thread, which I, I took I, your in, in I, suggestion And on. I kind of, is a suggestion that I didn't watch it because I heard it was terrible. Andrew watched... 20 minutes of it, yep. and he gave up. Mm-hmm. So tell me, Jacob, how I, was the Phantom I, Thread? I also sent you an expletive-laden <laughs> text at about that 20-minute mark about my thoughts on the movie. He did. Uh, we can't talk about that because it is NSFW for sure. Um, but actually, uh, when I ended up watching it, I actually pretty much enjoyed this movie. Okay. But not, not for the fashion. So, I mean, the fashion was fantastic. The movie is about 1950s uh, dressed like the top dressmaker in London, uh, played by Daniel Day-Lewis, who has all the makings of like a, when you think of geniuses, you always think that they have quirks and they always have little idiosyncrasies about them. So this one's kind of, it's kind of what this performance is. It's a character piece about this guy and what it's like for people who don't necessarily understand what it takes to be an artist and a genius sometimes and how they can be a little rough and abrasive and not necessarily care what other people think or do and just kind of in their own world. So as a fashion movie, it does have a lot of good looks in here, but as just a movie about a person and as a character and for just... He's such a jerk in this movie, man. And it's like it's <laughs> In a so, good way? In a way that you like to watch? Yeah, it's so brutal to watch. And then it's... You're watching it and you're just like, why doesn't anybody get why... He's like, you have to be quiet around him. You can't interrupt him when he's in the middle of work. If he's got his mind set on one thing, sure, he has to do it. Sure, that kind of genius attitude. Yeah, so it's like people trying to, like, force their way into that, and then they they get, um, you know, blowback from him. They have to deal with, like, his mood swings and the way his, his so things like that. So why was this movie kind of hated? Why is the first 20 minutes so brutal? Because it is boring as <laughs> sin. Like, <laughs> nothing happens. Like, it starts up, there's, like, a the most interesting <laughs> scene early on is when he's giving, like, his food order to the waitress, who becomes important later on. And it's, like, my man is just, like, hangover breakfast for sure. He's ordering, like, 50 things. But who needs to watch that? Yeah. But it's, like, a guy, he's all about finds his muse and this new waitress, and she inspires him to create make new creations, and they falls in love with her, and then they start falling out of love, and then it's, so like... So worth watching? 
if you can get through the first 20? Yeah, because, you know, once you get into it, you start falling into a nice little thing. It's Paul Thomas Anderson, so it's no, it's never going to be horrible. But just know it, it takes a minute to dig into okay. that one. Okay, I think that's a, that's a hot tip. I don't necessarily agree that this should have been Daniel Day-Lewis's last movie if it is, but, hey, we'll see if that sticks out. I hope it I, does. I got not. a feeling the mouse is going to start throwing a bunch of Disney money at him. Like, hey, you want to be a villain oh, Lord, in a Marvel don't, movie? Please don't do that. <laughs> um, okay, so my next one is kind of following The Devil Wears Prada, which is a documentary, and it's called The September Issue, which is for those who wish that they were behind the scenes at Vogue. So we're talking about the real Vogue and the real Anna Winter. Um, so this follows her around as she prepares. This is for the September 2007 issue of Vogue. Okay. And this thing weighed in at a record 840 pages. Whoa. I know, right? It's, that's, a, that's a textbook, It is man. the magazine's most important issue. The September issue is huge because this is heralding all of the autumn fashions. Hey, it's September now. I mean, and there are people out there right now buying the Vogue September issue, like, honestly, no doubt about it. And you get a lot of the Anna Winter. She's got her trademark bob and her really omnipresent dark glasses. And, you know, she definitely comes over as a woman who is a success because she knows exactly what the readers want. And she supervises every single page that goes into it, which is, like, so difficult if you work there and you're working on it. But, you know, she knows how important it is. The September issue of Vogue, which I know probably sounds silly to people who aren't into fashion, Mm -hmm. but it's a real seasonal reset um, as it ends the spring and summer and it transitions into the fall and winter fashion. And it provides like a good forecast of the upcoming trends of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is really big in the fashion world and for people that this is important to. So this is like the Bible um, of fashion. So you get to see that happen in the documentary, and it's actually really interesting. I mean, it's the one that sets fashion trends not only for that year, because you got to think, like they mentioned in Devil Wears Prada, like this is for the fashionistas the first year. Second year, it's in a little more high-end stores. Third year, it starts going a little further down. Like five yeah. years, it's at your Kmarts and your Walmarts. Yeah, it's very, very everybody's interesting. Everybody's wearing it, so... Yeah, so I, I mean, j- definitely check that out if, if that interests you, or if you're just into documentaries, it's pretty well done. Yeah, documentaries, man, that's where it's at. That we're, is where it's at. Okay, what else? Speaking of documentaries, oh. I got one from an unexpected source. Okay. That's right, ESPN. Bet you didn't see that one coming. I didn't. So the next one is a two-hour ESPN documentary they did called Soul Man, S-O-L-E. So it's a, it's a documentary about Sonny Vaccaro. Do you know who Sonny Vaccaro is? No, but I'm going to assume that he owns tons of shoes. He doesn't own anything, but he's very important (laughs) in the history of shoes. Okay. So Sonny Vaccaro is just like a dude from New York who really liked uh, basketball. So he became really well known in the basketball world among younger children. Um, Basically, to sum up what he ended up doing in the end, just to give you an idea how big this guy is, he's the one that came up. Nike did not sell basketball shoes in the 80s. Okay. Think about that. That's uh, It's hard to even think of. He is the one who was friends with Phil Knight and suggested that you guys should start selling basketball shoes because it could be a big market for you. And he's like, instead of selling these shoes because Nike didn't think there was a market in it, why don't you uh, market the athlete behind your shoe and that way you can and it doesn't matter the shoe then you could just market it as the athlete sure and then everybody's going to want it because it's going to be associated with the athlete i mean it's genius so his big idea hey nike why don't you use this young whippersnapper named michael oh. jordan and make him your uh 
spokesman for your brand new shoe that's coming out. Wow. So that would be the uh, Air Jordan sneakers, the highest selling shoes pretty much every single year that they come out, even to this day. Oh my God, all I can remember is when they had the pumps in them to pump them up. Yeah, so not only did he come up with the idea for like marketing athletes, which has led to the huge explosion of like athletes, superstardom as spokespersons. I mean, in basketball, for example, if you're a big player, you have a shoe. Nobody knows what the shoe looks like, whether yeah. it's actually functional. They just know your name is on a shoe. That's what I need and to get. And also some of the shoes, though, are hideous. They're awful. And I'm always like, why did you, why is that what you designed? It's so ugly. But in fashion sense. People it's, want it. it. It's yeah. the thing, man. It's what you want. And it's weird looking, which I think actually helps it. So not only that, but he also came up with the idea of how to market shoes like to children and get them hooked early. Because he came up with the idea of, hey, you can't sponsor these children in like AAU basketball or college and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but you can sponsor the coaches. So maybe if you signed a contract with the coaches with your shoe brand and you gave them free shoes, oh. they give them to the stu- the kids. The kids get used to wearing the shoes. Then they gain brand loyalty Come on. and they continue buying your shoes. This is all this guy's idea. He basically set up the first AAU tournaments, which if you're a youth basketball player in this country, you want to be in the AAU program, which is where all the scouts go. It's where okay. everything in the basketball world happens. But it all came from this guy who had an idea about selling shoes and as like a side job to like make some extra money. And this documentary just covers like how he came up with the idea, the rise of it, how it became the juggernaut that it is today, why he picked Michael Jordan. It wasn't the first choice. Was Michael Jordan wasn't the first choice. This is amazing. This actually sounds so good. It's such a good documentary. What's it called again? uh, It's called Soul Man, S-O-L-E. Soul Man. I believe there is a book out as well about it. Um, But these 30 for 30 documentaries, everybody assumes they're ESPN ones, so they're not good. They are worth watching. I said that I think it wouldn't be good, but I guess I thought it was about maybe athletes that I'm not as interested in. But this sounds fascinating. So if you're looking for one to find out how, like, um, sneakers and basketball shoes took over the world because that is, like, in certain communities, that's all people wear. There's no dress shoes. I'm wearing sneakers today. I'm wearing rocking my Adidas basketball shoes today. So if I'm wearing it, you know it's at the height of Full fashion. circle. Okay. Um, but yeah, go check it out, everybody. It's available now. All right, that's a great pull. That's really good. Um, the next one I want to talk about is the movie Coco before Chanel. This gets into, I mean, everybody knows Chanel. Um, and it starts from her childhood in boarding school to her first dressmaking skills in Paris via the kind of the birth of her fashion house. Um, And it's a really detailed review of the incredible life of uh, Gabrielle Chanel, who throws herself passionately into her work and also into her love stories, which of course you're gonna get in this film, played so gracefully by Audrey Tattoo. We love her so much. Amelia chick, right? Or Amelie? Amelie chick, yeah. She embodies this great woman who really liberated woman women with her straight sleek like it's like straightforward clothes mm-hmm. you know like things that women actually wanted to, to wear um the french director decided to really focus on the designer before her time of glory to really get a better understanding of the woman behind the fashion icon and she kind of depicts a wounded woman she's really bruised by her neglected childhood 
and these tragic love stories in her life. And it's really kind of an elegant and touching film that finally portrays like the real Coco, you know, not just the Coco Chanel that we know now, but like the way that she started. So okay. it's really interesting. So if you're, you're, you know, you're into that or just want to see a good origin story, you can check out Coco before Chanel. Not a perfect film, but uh, I feel like it's worthwhile. One the, it's one of those movies I used to always see and never knew what it was. I feel like when I was young, I was like, oh, it must be a lot like a monkey named Coco or Gorilla or something. And I was like, Of oh. course you would think that. That does yeah. not I was like, I end up, I was a little <laughs> off base on that <laughs> a one. A little bit. A little tiny bit. Okay. All right. So we couldn't, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up one of the more goofier options on our idea here. 2001's Zoolander. <laughs> everybody's favorite movie about what we hope the fashion world is actually like. But why models? <laughs> <laughs> So if you guys have not seen this movie, I'm just going to run through the quick synopsis to let you. It's first of all, is ben that Stiller. even necessary? <laughs> you, well, the way I've written it out, you're, you're going to like it here. OK. Uh, so it's directed by Ben Stiller, which already should tell you this movie's going to be great because Ben Stiller, his movies, they're all worth watching if he's if he's directing it. Stars Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson and Will Ferrell and all of the fashion world show up in this movie at some point. So after losing all of his friends in a very tragic gasoline fight accident, Derek Zoolander is then brainwashed by Mugatu, who played, who <laughs> so played by Will Ferrell, in order to kill the president of Malaysia, okay, who, who is trying to pass laws that would hurt Mugatu's business by requiring him to actually pay his workers in the sweatshops oh. in the area. All the while, Hansel, played by Owen Wilson, is the new up-and-coming supermodel of the time, who's coming for Zoolander's um, crown, and he starts to fall in love with a fashion writer played by his real-life wife. Mm. Guys, this movie is dumb. This is a Ben Stiller comedy. It's so dumb. Cranked up to it's 10. It's so dumb, but it has its moments. And it's such, it's like cultural icon moments with the blue steel, like you're always hearing oh, blue that, steel. you know? You still hear when people talk about fashion that he's so hot these days. Yeah. Like that's still like a, a word. So hot, that, very hot. Yeah, so hot. You got Billy Zane walking around there. And you're like, remember David the, Duchovny has a very small part that I love so much, though. Oh, his <laughs> improv line in that movie with Ben Stiller is one of the biggest laughs in the movie. Yeah. Got David Bowie. He shows up in this thing. Uh, Everybody's in this movie. It is. I remember when I first nice saw it. It's poking fun at the fashion industry, which always takes itself so seriously. When I first saw it, I thought it was so dumb. And then I watch it like a second time and I'm like, you know what? It's still dumb. But <laughs> the, the more you watch it, the more you're like, you get into the vibe of the movie. Well, I mean, you're a Norm McDonald fan. His That's stuff true. was dumb, but it. Then you're like, but I'm laughing. Like we say on the show every single week, I try to tell Michelle, like, you know, just because a joke stinks doesn't mean it's a bad joke. It just means that the audience was wrong. And I learned that from Norman. Yeah, <laughs> of course. So, yes, you should be checking out yeah, Zoolander. Zoolander. Why not? Ma maybe avoid the sequel. That's my kind of suggestion. Yeah, that's, a, that's a strong watch, suggestion. Watch the first one. I'm going to do two real quick because they're short here. But so this film, The Dressmaker from 2015 that nobody saw. Yeah, I never saw that Exactly. One. It's an Australian film. And the absolutely stunning, love her so much, Kate Winslet. Oh, okay. So she plays the role of a successful dressmaker named Tilly who returns to her small time in Australia after spending time in Europe and all the fancy parts. But her motives are not innocent because you have to keep in mind that all of her former neighbors ruined her childhood. That's why she left. She was miserable, and now she is looking to exact her revenge after being exiled from the town and framed for murder dun, several dun, dun. years ago. 
And so the it film took a turn. It did take a turn, but this film definitely is full of comedy, um, and it portrays this vitriol society where rumors really feel the comedy's angst. Blah 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 blah. The dresses, the dresses in this movie are amazing. She is so gorgeous in this film in every scene. There's this great one where she goes to like a, I don't know, what do they play in Australia? Like rugby? Sure. Yeah, sure, rugby. She like shows up and she's wearing this red dress and of course they like are crashing into each other. But I'm like, uh, it's actually not even played for comedy. I would be falling down if I was walking somewhere and Kate Winslet showed up in that dress. She's stunning. So you get a a lot of great fashion and it's in this small Australian town where, you know, there's like dust blowing (laughs) and everybody, you know, you just, it it makes it stand out even more. Everything is like brown and dirty. And so it really pops the fashion. I didn't think you could have a coat made out of kangaroo skin that would look good, (laughs) but sure enough figured it out. And then I just want to throw in this other documentary. Uh, It's so good. It's called Iris from 2014. Um, It's from the, I don't know how to say their name. Masley? How would you say that? Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, Maisley's? Maisley's? Maisley's. The Y is in a weird spot. Anyway, the Maisley's brothers, they made Grey Gardens and Gimme Shelter, which are two huge documentaries. Excellent documentaries. Absolutely. And this, they brought this really intimate portrait of this quick-witted, long-time interior designer and outspoken champion of eclectic fashion, Iris Apple. Have you ever heard of her? No, if I haven't. If you saw her, oh my God, she's so amazing. She has the most bold and unique looks. She's 95. Nice. She's amazing. Way she's to go. huge in the world in fashion. I think she owns the most costume ju- jewelry of anyone like in the world. Johnny Depp is coming for that crown, lady. Uh, I mean, but she's so amazing. So, like I said, she's huge in the fashion world, but she's never like mean or judgy, and she's just very much like, yeah, but it doesn't matter if I don't like it. Like, does that person like it? Do they feel good in it? Then, like, what is it to us? Which is the opposite yeah, of I, how the, the I could world see, acts. I could see all the fashionistas, like, clutching their pearls when she said that. Like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? I don't matter even know if they have like pearls it. because she's got all of them. Pearls, and huge are, pearls and... are always in fashion, Michelle. Jeez. I hate classic. pearls. I do, it? too. But Yeah, like, they're not for me. But it's, it's really great. She is so charming and adorable. At least Google her. And then her last name um, is spelled A-P-F-E-L. So look up Iris, and then you're going to look at her, and you're going to be like, yeah, obviously I'm going to watch a documentary about this woman. She's the cutest thing I ever saw. So yeah, just, just whatever it is, just throw it at my head. I want all the information. <laughs> do you want to do another one? Yeah, I'll do some quick hits here. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, 1991's Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Oh, because it's the best ever. It is. I've probably seen this movie more than any other movie in my life. I think we've brought it up so many times. Mm-hmm. Right on top of that, Rose. Oh, it's fantastic, guys. <laughs> uh, if you want to go see a movie about how easy it is to... To fake a resume back in 1991 and get a job at a high-end, uh, high-end, quote-unquote, It makes me mad. It, it makes does, me mad it? how easy it was. Oh, let me just look at your resume. I'm the boss. Oh, I'll hire you for a $40,000 a year in 1991 job. Yeah. You, it, sure. I mean, I guess if you're Christina Applegate, you just walk into places and they just hire you for stuff. But I mean, I believe it. I mean, especially back then. This movie where you knew she was about, she was here to stay. So man. the movie's really only about fashion from, like, towards the end when she gets a job in, in fashion. It's yeah, a mean, light one, but I love it. I respect yeah, the choice. The movie's actually about a mom abandoning her children for a summer with a septuagenarian babysitter she's never met before. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> it's mild child abuse, so we're not going to talk about that. 
Um, Dior and I, a 2014 documentary. Oh, yeah. About right. uh, Ref Simmons. Rafe Simmons? Rafe Simmons. Creative, we, can't, we can't say any names today. <laughs> his creative work for Christian Dior. It's about his first season at the company when he has to come up with some new looks. Oof, the, and the pressure. Yeah, your first pressure. You're working for, literally, for Dior. Dior oh. And you have to come up with a new spring line. Yeah, no pass. No <laughs> thank you, guys. But this gives you an in-depth look about what's going on there. And uh, I'll just throw in a little random one, Crazy Rich Asians for 2018. Doesn't oh, actually have sure. anything to do with fashion, but the looks in this movie Absolutely. about high-end Asian society, guys. Everybody looks gorgeous this yeah. entire movie. Everything looks great. I'm just like, give me this dude's white and pink suit. I'm going to wear that thing every <laughs> single day. <laughs> guys, go check it out. These movies and books are Yeah, fantastic. we got a couple more, but you know what? Maybe we'll somehow do another fashion episode in the future. Who it, knows what the it, world holds? I mean, fashion is its life because we live our life in it. That's what it is. That sounds like Miranda Priestly right there, but anyway. That's actually <laughs> the tooch. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. I told you, I've seen Devil Wars Prada a time uh, or two. I believe it. All right, why don't you plug us up? So everything that we talked about here uh, on All Booked Up is going to be available at your local library. We got 37 branches all throughout Erie County, so stop on by, show off your look, and tell them, hey, <laughs> I need a book that complements this sweater. Let me, And they'll be like, we got you, dog. Don't worry. <laughs> That's what we do. Don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalo.com lib.org check out your account see what we got going on and don't forget to follow us on twitter at all booked up pod and let us know what fashion choices and what kind of joggers you are wearing this coming season. <laughs> okay so let's get into some facts in the united states each person owns an average of seven pairs of blue jeans Really? That's one for every day of the week. I do not own that many, but... I don't know why you need more than two. Like, why would you need more than two? I own three. Okay, one for cleaning, one <laughs> for fashion, and the other for walking around. But yeah, but. so the average is seven. Do you know that... So bras have been through many different styles over the year, but I just found that you can now purchase a bra that can also be used as a gas mask. I mean, they theoretically <laughs> always could, but go I mean, on. I guess it's called the EB bra. If you want to Google it, I sent it to my friends and they were just like, but why? Yeah, why? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I feel like if you're trying, you, those are two things that are so far apart for their function. I don't know how they mesh. Now you got like a nice little frilly lace gas mask. On the subject of bras, did you know the famous author Mark Twain Definite fan of the show, I'll oh, say. Oh, absolutely, all the time. He was, was on last week. the inventor of the bra clasp. So for some reason, that does not totally surprise me. He was all over the place, and I like it. Um, Michael Kors, famous designer, his first project was his mother's own wedding dress when he was five years old. He came up with a fa uh, his mom's wedding dress when yes. he was five years old? Yes. Wow. Right? I hope. Mm, okay. That's why Michael Kors is, is practically know, a was, household name. I was going to make a joke, but I'm like, you know what? The guy's a legend now. He probably whipped up something pretty awesome even at five years old. I believe it. So the the famous Lacoste, the crocodile symbol, you know, that you oh, see on all the shirts? I used to wear that religiously as of a kid. Of course. It was created in 1933 and is the first designer logo ever. Oh. That's number one. And okay. it's hung around all this time. You know what? Extra respect for the crocodile. Extra respect Hanging for the there. croc. And my final fact here, and very unlikely person to be associated with the fashion world, I felt, is Napoleon. He invented the buttons for sleeves after his soldiers kept wiping their noses on their button-free clothes. 
he put the buttons there to deter them from constantly wiping their noses on their sleeves. You know what? He's Res- right. <laughs> Respect. He was right. He came with that. No, and also, uh, you know, clothing for the smaller gentlemen. He also like. That's a rumor. He was like, he was like five nine or five ten. You got a, <laughs> I got a forty two inch waist and a twenty two inch leg. We got to figure out some pants for this guy. All right. So thank you so much for listening. And in honor of Norm passing, we're actually gonna let this show end with one of his most ridiculous jokes. Um, it's worth it if you make it till the end, but thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Back. I'm sitting with Norm MacDonald, and now not all your material comes uh, from, the, from the news. Is that right? You know, no, you, some you, of my material comes, my strongest material comes from real life. Real life? Like, for instance, today I was driving in a, a car. Mm-hmm. You were kind enough to bring a car to bring this old chunk of coal here to the studio. <laughs> We send we send cars for our guests. Yeah. Yeah. So I got in it, and that's I, you know I get material that way. So my driver. What do you mean? What, 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 how do you get material that way? You get in the car, and what happens? Uh, my driver tells me a joke. <laughs> <laughs> the driver we sent to pick you up told you a joke. Yeah. And you're going to tell it now on the show. Yeah, that's how I get a lot of my material. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why don't we just have him on next time? Uh, that guy. <laughs> you, yeah, that guy. No, wait till you hear me do it. <laughs> so the guy, he goes, uh, uh-huh. he, I say, uh, I'll be the guy. Okay. Uh, a moth, <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office. A moth goes into a podiatrist's office. Right. You are correct. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office, mm-hmm. and uh, the podiatrist's office says, what's the problem? And the moth says, what's the problem? Where do I begin, man? He goes, I go to work for uh, Gregory Olinovich, and uh, all day long I work. <laughs> Honestly, Doc, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't even know if Gregory Olinovich knows. He only knows that he has power over me, and that seems to bring him happiness. But I don't know. I wake up in a malaise, and I, I walk here and there. And the podiatrist says, oh, yeah? And the moth goes, yes. And he goes, uh, at night I, I sometimes wake up and I turn to some old lady in my bed that's on my arm. A lady that I once loved, Doc. I, I don't know where to turn to. My youngest, Alexandria. <laughs> she, she fell in the, in, the, in the cold of last year. Mm-hmm. The cold took her down as it did many of us. <laughs> And my other boy, <laughs> and this is the hardest pill to swallow, Doc. My other boy, Gregaro <laughs> Ivanilitovich. I no longer love him. Mm-hmm. As much as it pains me to say, when I look in his eyes, all I see is the same cowardice that I that I catch when I take a glimpse of my own face in the mirror. (laughs) If only the cowardice was stronger, then perhaps... (laughs) Perhaps I could bring myself to reach over to that cocked and loaded gun that lays on the bedside behind me. (laughs) And in this hellish facade once How long a drive was this? (laughs) Do you live in the valley? Where do you live? (laughs) Please, sorry.
He says, Doc. Sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth. Just barely hanging on to my web with an everlasting fire underneath me. I'm not feeling good. And so the, moth, the, the doctor says, Moth, man, you're troubled. But you should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And then the moth said, Because the light was on. Congratulations to anyone who stuck it through to the end.